two episodes ago, episode 30 of Keep Yourself Well, I had the opportunity to introduce a new friend of the podcast, CJ Hollett, who is a business owner and entrepreneur based out of Calgary, Alberta. CJ shared his story moving from jail to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, how Brazilian jiu-jitsu helped with his rehabilitation and giving him purpose in life, and how he eventually came to own not one, but two businesses, which he did not completely share with us. So today, we are back for part two with CJ to talk even more about his journey into jiu-jitsu and leadership and more specifically, entrepreneurship. I'm Kelly Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. Hi, CJ. Welcome back to the podcast, back by popular demand. Or because you had a cancellation. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You were highly demanded for part two by others and also me because what no one else heard was at the end of the episode last, well, two weeks ago now, we started talking about this whole other business venture that you have that I had no idea was yours. And between that and questions and feedback we got, we just decided we needed you for part two. It was necessary. So I would love to know, how have you been keeping yourself well in the last two weeks since we spoke? Same thing. Jim? Jim, trying to do some more health care, self-care on these beat up hands and shoulders. But that's a a never-ending battle. It's always, they feel good, then I destroy them. Yeah. How do you find the balance? So what are you doing in terms of, well, and I think self-care is health care. So what specifics do you do when you feel like you have to start taking better care of your body? And is it something that you do proactively or is it generally reactively? Proactive. God, no, that'd be too easy. It's always, you fix it when the wheels come off, right? Mm. That's way better and easier to do. Uh, No, when it gets too bad, I mean, it is my job, so I can't, I can't just walk away and, Mm -hmm. and say, Hey guys, I'm taking time off. And I have enough people to help that I could, but I still get anxiety and the stuff that needs to be done in the gym that requires my attention. So yeah, I often let it get away from me and then something breaks. Yeah. I ripped my bicep off a few years ago and then you get forced into time off. So I'm trying to avoid one of those. Yeah. So what do you recommend? Do you tell your students a do as I say, not as I do? Do you recommend like a certain balance so that they can avoid that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my issues are stemming from like I tore my pec in half and I ripped my bicep off on the same shoulder. So mechanics are maybe permanently damaged. So I, I do recommend stretching, but I do understand the hypocrisy of me saying that. Yeah. But I think that's arguably part of being a coach is often there is the things you recommend and don't necessarily take time for, but forever trying to bridge that gap to also do as I say. I like to tell myself to think as if I was coaching myself so I don't neglect those things. That's good. That's good. The last, one of your rapid fire questions at the end of the last episode was what's next? And you said you're going to take better care of yourself. So this is good. It's also, it's an accountability check-in for you. Also, I don't like, uh, I don't like taking supplements. But somebody recommended some supplements, this hero of mine. 
and I feel like it's helping my hands. The collagen, and what else am I taking? I can't remember the other name of the other pill, but I'm taking a few things, turmeric, and there's, since I've, what was it, it's been five, six days, dramatically different feeling in my hands. Wow. The arthritic pain is not nearly what it was. Yeah, that rest, massage, that's the thing. I feel like it's always a multimodality approach, especially with joints. So uh, something that I wanted to talk about was at the end of the last episode, like I said, we started talking about how you actually own two companies, which are so humble. I'm asking you to tell us where to find you and you just casually don't mention that you own a whole product and apparel company, Parabellum. So for those who don't know, it's a kimono or gi company for jujitsu, but I feel like there's just so much interest in running a business and operating a business. I know I get questions about running a business all the time, but our businesses could not be more different. You have a brick and mortar service business and a physical product business. So Mm -hmm. I know very little in comparison to what you know. So I would love to know how Parabellum, like how the product company came to be out of all of this. Uh, well, when I opened the gym, right away, we, we had people complaining about ordering geese, kimonos, and then, then not fitting them. So uh, I just thought I would make some and have them in the gym for everybody. And we did that, but the first order we did, um, I realized as soon as everybody had a kimono, I'm stuck sitting on a bunch of kimonos with, with my gym logo on it. And how am I going to sell these things? Because you can't sell them to another gym unless I had another one-on-one academy, which I don't um, yet. Um, so then actually one of my students and a good friend of mine, Kent, uh, we just got talking about it. And I can't remember the exact conversation, but he just offered to come in and help because he's done it before or he's made, he's attempted it before. I don't know. I still don't know how far down the road he got with it, but I know he had a manufacturer and I am super uneducated and I don't know how to graphic design or build anything. I just virtually just contacted a manufacturer. I was like, Hey, send me something. And I got something and I paid them. It went well. But as soon as uh, Kent got involved, everything got dramatically better because it's hard to run the gym and clothing line. We're still partners and, so all we did was we changed the names from 101 Academy to Parabellum and just started making more. And, you know, as the product got better, we coached the manufacturer into the finer details that we wanted five, six years later now. It's pretty good. We've we sold them all over the world. Even your gym buys them and you didn't even know. I had a Parabellum belt and I didn't even know. But now I have a Parabellum gi. A pink one. It is pink. Uh, so I know you mentioned to me how the name came to be, and I think that's a really cool story. So I'd love you to talk about the inspiration for the name. Oh yeah. Which is funny. Um, I kind of wanted that name, uh, on something. I, I think I was going to get a tattoo of it, to be honest with you. And I still might, if I have room somewhere, because I'm covered. Um, so when I was in jail, I remember being in the library. This is super true. Um, up on up on the wall, there's a huge sign that said Parabellum, and below it was the definition: If you want peace, you must prepare for war. And as I'm looking around, you can see all these people that are like 
fighting their own war, whether it be drug addiction or violence or whatever the case may be, like war to one person is not war to another person. Um, and just everybody's fighting their own battle and being prepared for being prepared for that is something else. So I thought this is applicable to me and I love it. And then I just, when I ran into Kent, uh, it just made sense to use that. Cause like I said, I had it in the back of my head for something, didn't know what to put it on, use it for, like I said, I thought it'd be a tattoo. And then was that the first idea that came to mind when you started doing the branding? Yeah. When, when I talked to Kent, when I, well, when, when I realized I had to change the name of the, of the kimonos from 101 to something else more universal or something everybody could wear, um, that was the first name that came to mind. We, we had a couple other names, but I was like, absolutely not. This is, feels meant to be. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it's, it's just so wild that seed was planted and at like arguably a low time and something so great came out of it. So did you ever imagine yourself as an entrepreneur like growing up and with your time in jail was this like something that you were striving for or did it just happen organically it just happened organically I never even now I can't believe I I have two businesses um because again I'm super uneducated and it, it was completely just jumping with two feet and see if you can do it google what you need to do how do you get a business license how do you you know how do you do everything from pulling memberships, how do you set up a system that can pull money from everybody's account? It was completely Google this, Google this, Google this. And uh, I knew all my life I wanted to work in a gym, but I, uh, for whatever, I've always, I don't know, I've just never aimed for the stars. Like I've never thought, well, I want it all. I've, I've always wanted to work at a gym. And then when I did work in a gym, I realized that this fucking sucks working for people. And then I got fired and I was like, ah, well, maybe I'll own the gym because I had an idea. I had just had an idea how the gyms work. I didn't know how to do it. Just knew how, I just knew I had clients and they pay memberships. And I just jumped in with two feet, shamelessly. Like I said, sold my home like, and all the money I saved just went right into the gym, blind. Burn the boats. Yeah, burn your boats, go down with the ship. Because uh... if you if you don't give if you don't give those things 200% it's one of those things where I, I can see the results of my work if you don't give it to if you give it 50% then you get 50% results so when you're dumping everything you have into it you might as well give it 200% and like I said go down with the ship burn your boats whatever yeah I think it's such a fine line and when I do get asked about business generally it's from you know people who have a side hustle or they're considering entrepreneurship and I think there's a time and a place potentially for easing your way into it and building up on the side but eventually there's a like tipping point where you have to just go all in if you're going to make a go of it and I would say that arguably maybe you're not educated traditionally but the experiences you have and even the jobs working at the gym and everything. I mean, that prepared you. And it goes to show that anyone can be a business owner. Anyone can be an entrepreneur. You can figure it out. You don't have, I mean, I have a marketing degree and it taught me nothing about running a business. Yeah. I get two, two lines of questioning I get are people that want to start a business. And my question is always, well, is it a side hustle or is this something you want to like wholeheartedly you want this to be your life? And the fear in people 
always like maybe one person has said, I want this to be my, my life, but nobody wants to jump in with two feet. Like it's when I, when I started the gym, I still had another job and the gym was doing okay, which is why I was like, I'm not going back to personal training. I'm staying in this and I'm giving it 200%. And you'll, you'll get that in return. So people have a hard time letting go of security. Like what if they're, their nine to five job that pays them every two weeks. So my question is always, is it, do you want this to be your life? If, if you just want it to be your side hustle, who fucking cares? Just do it and figure it out. If you want it to be your life, then, then let's talk. Cause I have no idea how to make a side hustle work. Cause I will neglect it and it'll go away. Yeah. You have to be all in. So when you, because you had obviously an untraditional childhood in comparison to mine, I would say, did you have something in your mind that you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, is there something you can remember that that was like the thing when you were little? No, I just knew I always liked being in the gym. Yeah. I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember being asked what I want to be when I grow up. Oh. And I think it's a stupid question anyway, because kids change their mind every two weeks. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I said I wanted to be a dentist. And now I think that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. It happened organically and you followed your passion. So I'd love your opinion on that because I think a lot of people, well, I think there's varying opinions, obviously, but I do hear a lot of people saying, don't, don't make your passion, your paycheck. I've always said like passion over profit. And if you follow your passion, I think that will lead you to the most happiness and the most success. But I have heard people say that it can be a detriment to start doing what you love as if it's work. So have you ever felt like you started to burn out on jujitsu or lose, like have it lose its luster? I I love, uh, um, though patting myself on the back. I was at someone else's gym maybe four days ago. And one of the ladies I rolled with, she's a friend of mine. Um, she was doing something wrong. So I stayed late and just helped just showing her details of what she was doing wrong. And she said, it's so clear you love what you do. And it doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. Like, and that was part of the reason I kept pushing through when we were doing bad and through COVID is like, I fucking love this. I never want to do anything else. I mean, what sucks is the business side of it when uh, when money gets involved and you have to, that's, and that's also why I like the automated system just pulls money. You don't have to talk about it. Um, if they out, I let them out. I don't do contracts. Like I do not lock people into anything. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. Let's send you somewhere where you're comfortable. Um, but I hate the business side of it. I hate dealing with rent and I hate when things go wrong. I had uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was billing someone for six months after, after they quit. And I don't know how it happened, but I had to, they were super pissed off and I felt super bad and I refunded them all their money. And I, and I said, if you ever want to come back, I'll make it up to you. I hate the money side of it. That is what makes it feel like work. And sometimes when we have a busy month, like one January, we had like 30 people sign up. And so I didn't get to be on the mats as much. So I hated that. That spreads me thin when I'm dealing with yeah. different people that have the same questions. And that wears me thin because then I feel like a receptionist. And I hate that. I want to be on the mats teaching. Yeah. You're a coach. That's funny because I feel the same way and doing online coaching, often it's recommended or encouraged or asked when I'm going to bring in another coach. And I'm like, I don't want another coach. I want to be the coach. 
-hmm. I'll give someone else the back end stuff to take care of because this is what I do and what I'm good at. So you mentioned the COVID side of things. How do you manage like not only your business, your, sorry, your wellness, mental and physical while maintaining the two businesses, but that of your staff and team as well? Because I feel like running two businesses and being in person, that's a lot to navigate. Yeah. Um, well, I have all good people around me. Uh, my coaches are amazing. Everybody that teaches, everybody that actually physically has a job in the gym. Um, I we, we took care of them through COVID, made sure everybody was everybody's bills were paid. And, uh, we were we were a team. Like they helped me, I helped them, and we got through that COVID bullshit together. Well, however you feel about it, um, watching my friends struggle to to pay their bills and whatnot was hard to see. So uh, our core group that helped us, uh, we were kind of there for each other. Yeah. I wouldn't change my team. Like, I love my team. Yeah, I mean, I think community is one of the greatest parts of sport and specifically jujitsu. It's such a tight knit community. Mm -hmm. So you're building your own team now, but you're also part of a team. And I would love to know how that supported and guided you to where you are because I think people who are from the outside in don't necessarily know that although yes it's an individual sport there's these teams and affiliations obviously you've got mentors so I would love to know about the people and teams that have been influential in your life yeah um yeah it is weird we were talking about this yesterday how it's it's like an individual sport but you have a team um because you can't get good without your team you can't do jiu-jitsu by yourself you need a team um and your your sword will sharpen someone else's sword you know that's how you get better um i mentioned last time i started with henzo gracie and they were great they actually gave me my vision for my gym the way they handled uh their their gym down there and the way they treated people and then i found a way to well actually me and jake mckenzie were from that gym that's i met jake before jiu-jitsu who's my professor and I knew him before jiu-jitsu. We did jiu-jitsu together at uh, Titans in Halifax, which was a Gracie, Gracie and uh, Enzo Gracie gym. And then when I moved out here, he was in Brazil. And while I was looking for uh, some kind of affiliation so that my guys could compete and I could get promoted, um, just dawned on me that I should stay with my friends because it didn't make any sense to champion chase that's what we call it um so yeah that's that's why i'm with jake mckenzie and jeff teams because i've known he's a friend of mine i know him outside jiu-jitsu we talk all the time he's a friend first and jiu-jitsu second and he's also if you ever if you've have you met jake no oh he's the fucking nicest guy ever i mean i feel like that's such a good takeaway for anything in life whether it's business even just life surrounding yourself with people or something like jiu-jitsu or another sport not putting accolades as number one when you're looking to surround yourself with people, but just looking to surround yourself with good people as the first priority. Yeah, that's how I treat everything. And once, uh, you know, being in Calgary, it's a big city and you walk around, there's like, there's Atos, there's Alliance, there's Gracie Baja, there's all the big name gyms, which is fine, but I don't know any of these guys. Like, and I've met some of them. They seem nice, but I don't know them. I have such a huge history with Jake. It just made sense to stay with Jake. Like, I don't want to 
I don't want to attach myself to someone I don't know because then you just get let down. And I feel that way about promotions too. Like I want a connection with my coach. Yeah. And I mean, that obviously trickles down to your students too. They have that with you. And I mean, see it even just on social media, you can see it, but getting the chance to see you coach in person, you can see it. And I think there is a differentiation. Like some people are just going through the motions and like you had mentioned last episode, some people are willing to just take the membership fee, even if people aren't coming to class and making the most of it, but you actually want to show up and have them there. Well, cause it's not just jujitsu. They're like, we have to roll around, get sweaty on each other, strangle each other. You know, we hurt each other, blood, sweat, and tears. I want when, when you're going through these things, I, it's so much easier if you have like a relationship with somebody. Like, and so I don't like unplugging from the gym because, um, well, we have, we've had a very busy year so far and there's a handful of people in the gym. I don't even know. Like I forget their names. I'm not great with names anyway, but that bothers me when someone's in my gym learning from me and I don't have a relationship with them. So, um, and that takes time. You can't just, Hey, we're best friends now, but eventually you kind of feel like best friends. Um, and because of that, every promotion feels special because you're getting it from someone that you know gives a shit about you. There's so many times I've promoted people and they get emotional because it's not, I'm not just some random dude. I'm like, I've guided them daily from start to finish, whether it's blue, purple, brown, and, and black. So that's what I want that. I want that emotional connection because that's how important it is to me. So I don't want it to look like I don't care because I do. Yeah. Does that, is that something that weighs on your mind when you consider? having affiliate gyms that you wouldn't be able to have that same personal impact or relationship with everyone? It does. I mean, like people like Andrew or other gyms that I'm involved with. Well, just generally, like if you were going to expand into another one-on-one, like open another oh, one in Calgary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair amount. And I've talked about, I've had people approach me several times, several different people and wanting to invest in the gym and start another location. And it's always a concern that um, I get removed from the students and I don't have that relationship. Um, and I think it's manageable, but it's definitely, it definitely gives me anxiety because I don't want, I don't want it to be a McDojo. And I don't want it to be just a revolving door. I want it to be the family. I want, I want, I want everybody to come and stay and, and treat it like they treat uh, the, the current one I want to get. I think that's a part of almost any business too. The thing that makes you most special is you and that connection with people and coaching. And, you know, just like there would be a tipping point for me taking on clients where you can't keep providing the same level of support and connection that has made you so successful. Um, So you mentioned like chasing, like chasing champion chasing. And I feel like this is really relevant to any sport, any industry, like, putting people, not only putting people on pedestals, but also just working towards the next goal. And this is something that I've talked a lot about personally, like having fallen into patterns where I'm not enjoying the journey. I'm just like one goal onto the next, no time to enjoy the process. So how do you navigate that personally and within your students? Because I think it's a very relatable challenge. I don't manage it. I offer, I don't, I don't tell, I don't ever tell my students what to do. Um, that goes everything from 
cross training to to well, I hate giving personal advice because I'm not the guy to give that. I just let them do whatever they want. And if they ask me, I give my opinion. Um, but the champion chasing thing, I've heard so much that I am a kind of vocal about it because it just doesn't make sense to me to be like, hey, I want my belt from this world champion. I want my black belt from this world champion who I've never met. And for what? Just so you can have this name attached to you? He might he might be an asshole. You don't know. You've never met him. He might, might be really bad might be a really bad coach. No, he might be he might be a world champion, but he also might be not very likable. And then you're attached to this guy forever. And so I just whether it's um white, blue, purple, black, um I say find someone. I'm sure I said this last time, it's an honor for me to promote my students. Yeah. It should be an honor for all the black belts to promote their students. And when you go champion chase and they're they're often so big. And I'll use Galvio and as an example, I've met Andre Galvio, super nice to me, uh, really nice guy, but I generally don't know him. Like I can call Jake right now and he'll answer. Like, I don't have that. And, but I, and I've known him for 20 years. I don't have that connection with, with all these world champions, but who does, and you can build a relationship. And if you do that, if you go down to headquarters, uh, headquarters and you learn from them and you build a relationship with them, that makes sense. But for, for you to go white, blue, purple, brown with a guy who you care about and you want to, or they give you everything and then you just, oh, I want my black belt from this champion I've never met. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. I want to be attached to somebody who cares about me. And so my advice for them all is if you go champion chasing, don't be surprised if you get disappointed because you have no idea what they're like outside the gym. And that matters to me. Are they an asshole? Do they treat their students right? Because you don't know. So it, you can get you can get your black belt from a little hole in the wall gym, some black belt who's who's nobody knows, and you could you could be the happiest guy. You'd be so proud to have your black belt from that guy because he's just a good dude. And what more do you want? Just be a good dude. You don't just because you're champion doesn't mean anything. And that applies to all sports. Like you don't. I've never met Wayne Gretzky. We were just talking about that. Like I don't. I mean, I'd like to play hockey with them, but I don't. I don't have any relationship with them. I think champion chasing is a mistake. I think also, I mean, coming from a sport like wrestling, for example, some of the best coaches are the small hole in the wall coaches, and those are the people dedicating their time and who actually care about you as an individual. And I think that's what makes academies like yours thrive. Like I talk about my high school wrestling coach all the time to the point where he's upset that he hasn't been able to be a guest yet. So I guess I'm going to have to make that happen, but because he dedicated so much of his time and energy and was really there for me as an athlete, it wasn't just the, you know, being there in a traditional coaching role, which I think is easy to fall into in like larger academies or with someone who is a world champion and on that pedestal. Uh, and something we were, I was saying, there's that, quote, which I don't know where it's originally from, but it's the man who loves walking will walk further than the man who loves the destination. And I feel like whatever sport or activity or endeavor, it's learning how to enjoy that process. And then all of those other goals and the stripes and the belts will take care of themselves. Actually, on that note, I should add, um, I've seen coaches, um, I've seen students like right in front of my eyes, ask the black belt a question. And the black belt will say, 
you need to get a private lesson for that. And this guy wasn't a world champion or anything. Um, so not only do you not want to chase champions, you want to make sure you're in a gym where the coach actually wants you to get better. And he's not chasing your money. Like if, if, if you are important, like if you're important to him, he'll answer. I answer questions all the time. No, I don't care. Are we, I've sat after class for an hour, answer questions. I don't care. Um, you should be in a gym where you feel valued. And if someone's trying to nickel and dime you all to death, then you might want to reconsider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nice. I do understand, I do understand money, money pays the bills. I do understand that, but memberships do that. And there's nothing wrong with like going above and beyond for your students. Yeah. I think about that all the time. There is that fine line. Like you said, it's nice to have the auto pay because sometimes the money side of things can become awkward if you've developed a personal relationship with someone, especially. So I feel like Parabellum, where it's a product company, the finances of that and people doing returns, et cetera, is quite different than something that's so personal like coaching and you're seeing everyone in the gym and a money issue comes up. But then at the end of the day, it's still a business. And my take on that is I always say the word of mouth that comes from a strained relationship with a client is not ever worth like fighting over a sale. That person's going to go tell 10 other people like, Hey, CJ. Yeah. The six month thing happened. I was accidentally charged, but he totally took care of it. You know, made sure he'd set me up next time. The reputation of it with that one-on-one is so important. And I think people dramatically overlook that in business. Yeah, And people are so much more likely to like, if you go to a restaurant and you have a good experience, chances are you won't leave a review, but if you have a bad experience, chances of you leaving a bad review are through the roof. That's true. That is a very good point. Uh, I like good reviews. What did you say? You just looked at your Google reviews the other day and they were all surprisingly good. Yeah. Shocked. (laughs) But that does, I think that speaks volumes that people are going out of their way then to make positive reviews. I try to do a good job. I think too, like. I try. I mean, I think you're succeeding in terms of the, like you're almost talking about people gatekeeping information, like to access this information, you have to book a private lesson. And I feel like that happens in all industries. I mean, I see it online with coaching all the time. It's a free webinar, but then to get the information you actually need, you have to pay for whatever course. And I think that's another, it's free marketing. And one of the best indicators of a good coach or a good business where you're willing to be generous with your information and not gatekeep it because that encourages. And again, like the word of mouth and the community that creates is so valuable. Yeah. Well, it's back to what you said. What, what is your, are you in love with the destination or the process? I like teaching. So when they, I had a, got a conversation with one of my brown belts, is <clears throat> been training and I got mad at him <clears throat> because I was like, you're robbing me of the thing I love to do. And that's teaching, especially brown belts who learn at a ridiculous rate. And he goes, oh, I just had a shape. And I was like, how many people say this to me? It's mind blowing. When someone says, I want to get in shape before I go to the gym, the gym is the place to get in fucking shape. What are you talking about? And so he wants to get in shape before he comes to the gym. And I, I just had to have, uh, had a boss up on him and say, get in the gym. Like, let me help you get in shape. Let me do my job. Cause I love it. Um, and there's nothing like, you don't have to, again, you don't have to nickel and dime everybody. Cause then your motives are money and you can use it. It's easy to see that your motives are money. 
and it rubs your students the wrong way. And again, the value of giving something away for free, like again, the reviews, the, the positive feedback, most of my new members are through referrals. So if you give away an hour of your time and you like the, the snowball effect of that down the road is enormous. And I don't even think about it, just do it. If you just do it because you love to do it, like, yeah. the money will come. Um, just don't, I don't worry about it. We give so much shit away for free. That women's self-defense course we were talking about, that was for free. Yeah. And I still got shit on for that, but um, I just like teaching and I don't chase money. And we are here to help. And anytime uh, Becca, Becca works at the gym, she has a money question. I'm just, I always lean towards the student every single time. Oh, there's a money concern. Give them the money back. Whatever it is, give the uh, issue with the geek, give the money back. I always give back. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Ty goes to the student. <laughs> they always, they always win. When, yeah. when they, if the student isn't happy, I'll, I'll make it work. Unless it's ridiculous. Like maybe one time I had a complaint because they didn't get promoted. And I was like, sorry, get better. You did. Yeah. Which I think that's why people need a coach though. You also need that structure and discipline and someone to tell you whether you're ready or not. So I would love to talk about that, like starting before you're ready, because I think that's something I think a lot about in jujitsu, like competing before I felt ready or coaching before you feel ready or coming to the gym before you're in shape, like whether it's a coach, an athlete, an entrepreneur, what is your take on starting before you feel ready? Do you think there's such thing as ever actually feeling or being ready? Um, I, I don't know what it is for, for guys. Sometimes usually I, I think it's ego. Like they don't want to, <clears throat> when guys take too much time off, they want to come in and be the shitty person in the gym that's out of shape. But I've, I, even as a black belt, I've been there when I used to work in oil and I would disappear for three weeks, four weeks, and then I come back and try to train with all these animals. They'd beat the shit out of me. Um, and the other side of that is you don't always have to go into the gym and have world championship rounds for Christ's sake. And I, and I always say, you can always just come to our beginner classes where we just say, if you want to, 30 minutes at the end for rolling, it's, you can come do technique and just get on the mats again. It's not like you have to come in, slap, bump, and it's go time. Fuck your injuries and everything else. And injuries is an important one too. Like if you're injured, you, should, you need to take care of yourself. And I always tell my students, the only thing that trumps my black belt is your health. So if you feel like this is going to injure you, don't do it let me know like, or just tell me no because I can't argue with you never mind your knee let's go blow it out again yeah. it's ridiculous. so uh, even if it's like just show up just show up, watch and then maybe do technique and then maybe try try around you can even do specific specific is super easy not super easy but it's dramatically easier than just going to war with a guy do you think in entrepreneurship that you felt ready to start there with the business yeah or was it just a clot like continuing to figure everything out as you go it was just figure it out as i go i i, I really like i'm a risk taker <laughs> it got me in trouble all my life except this um i got no problem losing i have no problem failing and that i, I do believe that's a superpower if you don't care about failing i i, I when I first opened the gym, I lost a hundred grand. I didn't care. I still don't care. Um, you just can't be afraid to lose. You just 
try again, right? What do they say? You only fail when you when you stop trying. Yeah. So I'm totally okay with going down with the ship. Like, and every month watching my money deteriorate was stressful to say the least. But when we started bouncing back, you, it fucking feels great to go through to go through all that shit yeah. and then succeed. Nothing feels better because if I jumped in with two feet and I was just, hey, I'm rich now, it wouldn't feel as good. You just feel like you got lucky. But having gone through like almost two years of just eating shit and watching my money disappear, I had to, I had to get rid of my, my apartment. I started living in my friend's basement. I sold everything. Virtually ran out of money. Like virtually my line of credit was maxed out. And that was a December. And then January, we bounced back. We doubled our memberships. And then I was back in the green. And, so, and there's like a level of just believing in... I'm sure believing and being passionate about it helps you to hold on. Well, my, my thought was like, if I fail, I can say I tried, but if I quit halfway, did I really try? Yeah. Like, ah, this isn't going perfectly. I should quit. No, give it the whole hundred percent. Like go, go virtually go down with the ship. And then when I fail, if I die, I can say I fucking tried. Hey, you take away the options and there's always something that you can fall. Like if you had to, and worse comes to worse and there's nothing left. And I think about this all the time with business. I'm like, I have no, I mean, I have, I would like to say I have no ego working on it, but like, if I had to work at a Starbucks, if I had to do something to save myself, like I would never, but fall back onto whatever personal training, there's always a way. And I think when you take away the other options is when you're going to succeed. And also it's funny because I think that failure or losing people think of it as such a negative like such a bad word I made that post about having done the competition and how it was like just a lot of a mental victory for me and I had something I had said something about like losing and learning and other people were being like no you don't you don't lose you either win or learn and you don't lose and learn I'm like but it's not a bad thing like I I did lose that's objective I did not win and I learned, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that is the only way that you continue to push yourself and succeed. It's how you handle it too. It's like, and if I, if I did fail at, at building the gym, I would definitely probably do it again because I would feel whether it's competition or something else, I would feel, I see where I went wrong. I see, I see how I can make it better. And then I'll, I'll almost for sure try again. Cause it's not like people do treat it as if, if I fail, I'm going to die. <laughs> I am going to die. And that's one thing I, I always say to myself well it's not going to kill me let's, let's go mm-hmm. it's just just a business venture like it's just money i can always reaccumulate the money and and, uh, and my students that you asked me a question a little while ago my students that do ask me like business questions that's one thing i do say is is just jump in you can you can rebuild whatever you lose and i always try to give them like uh uh let them look at it through through my lens I had everything going against me. I, I was arrested. I had a criminal record. I've had, I had uh, bad media. I've had like, never mind bad reviews, fucking bad media when you have like CTV and global all over you. And I still went forward. I was like, ah, fuck it. If I can still go forward, these, and I'm un- uneducated, I don't know business. So these guys that are entertaining businesses, uh, I always just, if I can fucking do it, trust me, you can do it. Like I'm a, I'm an idiot. You can do it. I know I'm not an idiot, but I have absolutely no experience and I have everything going against me and I still do it. So 
if you, and if you don't try, I, I say the same thing. If you don't try, when it comes to the end of this life, you're going to wish you tried. So why not? Yeah. The in? only regret that I would have in life is not knowing what if. Yeah. And I didn't want that. That's what I said to myself too. Do you want to be the guy saying what if? Yeah. No. I didn't. Do you feel like your experience in jail and kind of having had nothing in that way has allowed you more confidence and freedom and faith in risking it to do business and be an entrepreneur? I wouldn't say confidence. It just changed the lens I looked through. So many people will say like, oh, I had a bad day. Tell me what your bad day was. Yeah. Bob yelled at you, you bird shit on your car. What was your bad day? Some of my bad days were, were like riots and, and gang violence and watching people die and stabbings. That's a bad day. And that wasn't even, that's just my bad day. Imagine being the guy in the prison who's overdosed or jumped by a gang. Like those are bad days. So it offered me perspective. If the business failed, is that really a bad day? Like I'm still quite healthy. I'm living, I'm free. So if anything, I wouldn't say it gave me confidence, it just gave me a different lens to look through, like what really matters. Like this money I might lose, fucking cares. I don't care. I bought a truck one time, my first truck, when I went to the rigs. And I swear to God, I drove off the lot, I pulled into a gas station, and I backed into something immediately. <laughs> and the person I was with, um, chick I was dating at the time, it's like eight years ago or something. Um, she was like, fuck, fuck, you just bought this. And I, I was like, who cares? It's a truck, who cares? Um, so again, I, I just don't put value on things that don't deserve it. And cash is one of them. I don't care. I mean, unfortunately, it makes the world go round. And <clears throat> what is the poor Kanye West? It has one of my favorite quotes. Um, having money, er, Having money isn't everything, but not having it is. I do get it, but I just try not to let it run my life. My bills are paid. I don't care. Well, and I actually have talked about it on the podcast before. There's research that shows that there's an income level where your quality and joy in life starts to tip off. You're not happier because you have more. It's like the, the means being met beyond that doesn't add a lot of joy, you know, a little bit of financial freedom. Um, do you feel like there's, you feel some pressure to like have only good days after you've seen like your example of what a bad day can be? Is that something that crosses your mind? Like you have an obligation to make the most of every day? No. Um, I try to keep a poker face for my students. Um, I don't let them know. Like I, I recently had uh, issues with uh, how do I say? <laughs> had some issues with, with uh, the business that may have affected the business dramatically. And I didn't tell anybody until I figured it out, even though it was eating me alive. So I don't feel the need to have good days, but I do feel the need to be there for them because, again, my bad days don't compare to some of their bad days. And I know some bad things have happened to some of our guys. And, and so I try to be try to be their rock. I deal with my stuff in my own way. So it's not a cancer for me. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't uh, destroy me, but things get heavy. Sometimes you, you do, a, you are spinning plates. You're dealing with a lot of people, personalities that need you. 
and you got to find time for you. And, but given my past and history, I'm quite good at dealing with virtually the world caving in on me. Yeah. You know, if you can go through these riots and stuff without panicking, you can deal with a shitty day in the gym. Yeah, I can imagine that struggle has built strength. Do you ever think about imposter syndrome? Is that something that crosses your mind? What is that? Oh, well, good. That's a good thing. I know what it is. I just no, but if you, if you don't know, then that yeah. is awesome. Well, I guess it's like a psychological theory where it's basically no matter how much success you have as a jiu-jitsu player, as a coach, as an athlete, as a business owner, you feel like you're an imposter. Like at some point, everyone's going to figure you out that you actually don't know what you're doing and you're like kind of acting or it's this facade. Oh, God, no. God, no, God, no. I've had, <laughs> students, I've had students ask me questions I don't know the answer to. If a blue belt says, hey, how do you do this barambolo? I'm just, I have no fucking idea, bro. Just because I have a black belt doesn't mean I know it all. Like, yeah. I'm good at these three things over here and that's it. Like, if you have these questions over here, you might want to ask one of my other black belts because we all have a different game. Um, I got no problem admitting I don't know something. And again, that's just kind of the confidence I gained from sharing my life is like i'm definitely the opposite of perfect and so i got no problem saying i'm not perfect i don't know this thing i had i don't know what imposter syndrome is i don't know whatever it is if i don't know it i'm not going to pretend and i've seen you know it's funny i've seen coaches do that where they pretend to know how to do uh i watched i went to a gym when i was traveling one time and i watched a black belt teach a kimura wrong it was it was dead wrong hands are wrong and he said the words I think you do it this way. And I was like, just don't teach it, bro. Like you look ridiculous. I didn't say anything, but in my head, I was like, it's a bad look. So no matter what you, how much you think, you know, if you're pretending someone's gonna pull your card, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather not. I would just say, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to teach something. I don't know. Well, it's okay not to know it all. And (laughs) in terms of business coaching, whatever it is, I always say like, you don't, you don't have to know at all. You have to know more than some of the people that you're coaching, but you don't have to know every single thing and you're not going to. Yeah. Can you learn from this person? Like, well, yes, unless they're only teaching you stuff they don't know. <laughs> and, and you as a coach or a business owner or a mentor or whatever it is, you also learn through people's questions. Absolutely. I mean, I know I, you know, all the time, if I don't know an answer to something, I do the classic, like, let me do the research and I'll get back to you. And then now I know and can answer it next time. So I know you briefly had mentioned the women's self-defense program. And that's something that I get a lot of questions about since I started sharing my little jujitsu journey. Um, So tell me about the women's program at your academy and like the difference between that and the women's self-defense seminar and what you feel like some of the benefit to like women in jujitsu and women in sport is. Um, it's uh, a lot of questions all at once. Uh, I'll start with the women's. The we were talking about the women's team last night. One of my students asked me if uh, asked me if we would have if the women's program would be the same without Fatima, and I had to say no. I don't think it would be. I do think we would always have a women's course, but because of Fatima, it's huge, and she's so likable that people, the ladies, flock to her, and she's really good. Um, so. The women's course, the, the women's course, the, our women's program in the gym is 
at this point, mostly Fatima, run by Fatima. I used to, I helped her with it in the beginning and I used to have to sit on the mats with her and just, you know, quality control. Because when it started, she was a purple belt and you just want to make sure she's, one, doing it right. Two, you want to be supportive and, and well, if anybody needs anything, I need to be there anyway. It's my gym, but now I don't have to be there at all. Like uh, last night I didn't go, but sometimes I go. She asked me to go, I go, but I used to have to sit there and watch. Um, and we get nothing but good feedback about the women's class. I'm not great at dealing with large groups of women. Women do, women seem to do better or be more comfortable with women, especially large groups of women. And her classes are, 20 plus now so wow nice to see the growth and the team uh taking on a life of its own uh so what what is the difference between that like the program that people would be attending on like a regular weekly basis and the self-defense seminar well we started the self-defense thing last year we haven't done it in a while because both me and Fatima were injured uh most of this year um, we were doing in Calgary. Let me, let me give you, uh, an idea how this started in Calgary. They went through a phase when they started with the mass mandate, the, these idiots were just running around downtown, either groping women, grabbing them, trying to kidnap them. It was horrible. It was nonstop on the news. And it was just cause they can wear a mask. It seemed to be just because they can wear a mask. Shit, I can do whatever I want. I can wear a mask. Right. There was a correlation, like with the up. Holy shit. Yeah, we got cops in my gym, like, and they would tell us it. it it's escalating bad. Um, anyway, so we were just like, I, I called Fatima. I was like, we need to do something, and we just said we'll do a free women's course. And I hate it when I see people. Hey, come do this three-hour self-defense course. You fucking can't learn self-defense in three hours. You can't learn it in a week. So we did a month, free month. Wow. And we had like 600 women sign up. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It was stupid or a nightmare. <laughs> I was like, Holy, like, how do you deal with this many people? And how do you help everybody? And Holy. like, you're getting like, um, we had, we had tons of positive feedback, but we did have a few people like, oh, you're taking advantage of these girls. Like, what do you, how it's free. It's yeah, taking advantage. How? Well, the, the, uh, the comments were like, oh, you're just using this moment to promote your business. I was like, I virtually don't want anything. I, this is costing me money. Like, um, Anyways, so the difference would be, one, it, it, we had a set schedule for very specific self-defense. Like, how do you deal with a man's weight on you? How do you keep space? How do you protect your head while people are putting the weight on you? And even just putting yourself in advantageous positions, how to get off the ground, how to deal with people grabbing you by the hair, the neck, everything. Um, and we even gave the, at the end of the month, we would give them the option to stay for another month and do like traditional jujitsu so they can see how it can grow. And again, I didn't want the money. Um, and so far, I think we've put 200 women through it and we just put it on pause just because injuries, Christmas, COVID lockdowns, blah, blah, blah. We went to go back to it. We're going to go back to it soon. That's awesome. Do you feel like you can see like those women that start? the first day to like the end of that month, do you see a shift in their confidence and like their ability within themselves? Yeah. The composure thing. And now this, the, the, the cool thing was a cool, but enlightening cool for them enlightening, probably terrifying for them was every single one of them. When we asked what you, I feel like, I feel like you have a plan 
what you would do if you're ever going to tap because it's a real work thing, unfortunately, right? And they all said, yes, I have a plan. I know what I would do. And so all I would do, like, so I was the only dude there most days. I would just put my weight on them and not do anything. Just put my, and they panic. I thought you had a plan. Like the, the adrenaline and, and the anxiety, like the plan is gone, especially if you've never trained. Like, oh, I just, I made a plan in my head. It's good. I'll put my keys in my hand, which was oddly the most common idea was to put the keys in the hand. I was like, do you have any idea what that will do to your hand? Horrible idea. Um, but even then, like they just panicked and tur- most of them, like 99 out of 100 of them panicked, turtle, and just had no idea what to do. And yeah. under the stress of like a real live body on you, they all failed. And so uh, it was cool to watch them gain confidence from that bottom position with framing and keeping distance. And a lot of them are still students. Like they just stayed. Yeah. Learning how I- to maintain composure. Pardon me? Learning how to maintain composure. Yeah, because panic makes it worse, <clears throat> right? Because yeah. they're all, all these predators, they're looking for an easy meal. Like they want you to cooperate. They want you like just give up. And that's usually what happens. They give up so it'll end. Um, so teaching them to be composed and fight back in a way that it's not an easy fight for them that will deter an attack, attack or go look for an easier victim. Yeah, yeah literally they just don't want to fight. Yeah. And we recorded so much of it because it's virtually night and day, one month. But a week of people that offer a free hour, a free afternoon, that's a fail. Like you're going to, you're going to equip someone, you're going to give someone a false sense of security and they're going to shit to bed. You need hours and hours and hours of training. And I said this at the end of the course, I even said one month is not enough. It's like, I was like, you should come back again and again until it's like breathing because I don't want it to happen, but God forbid it does. At least you'll have, the confidence like if someone ever attacked Fatima Fatima would probably just laugh at them she probably just laugh at them grow up bro get out of here I got shit to do um, so that's what I want them to have yeah. I mean and that, that would take years but give me years yeah well and I think that's one of the things often the self-defense side of things gets women in the door and then once they gain that confidence and even gain confidence if, if someone's an adult and never had grappling experience or any martial arts experience, like as a child, I think it can be a lot to just dive right into being in that close proximity with someone. Like you said, you're, you know, choking each other, blood, sweat, tears, you get to know someone really quickly. So I think once women get in and get that self-defense comfortability, often that does then plant the seed for continued training or even sport jujitsu, where it's something that's a little bit more consistent beyond just the purpose of self-defense. Yeah. Well, it's character building for sure. Yeah. And the camaraderie, like people love, like, like even after class, the, the girls will hang out, the guys will hang out and it's, it's like a family. So they, they feel like they're part of something and, and they stay. Yeah. That community is priceless. Well, and even like at the competition, I met one of the girls that I kicked my butt and we we're just talking on Instagram yesterday. Like you meet fast friends when you're breaking each other. Um, but no, I think the confidence building and like you said, gaining composure, not only if you can maintain composure physically when you're in a stressful, potentially dangerous situation, but I think that then travels into, you carry it into so many different areas of life to be able to maintain yeah. that calm. I always say that it'll absolutely trickle into your life. You'll always think of path of least resistance. Like how can I get my way or 
be more efficient, yeah. whatever the problem is. So what advice, I want advice from you in three different categories. Um, I think it's, you have yeah. very good advice. Hopefully it's life advice. Ask me this. Yeah. Well, so advice first for people wanting to I'm gonna, start. For I'm going to try and give you the worst advice possible. Let's go. <laughs> Do the opposite of what CJ. Yeah. No, because you have shown so much success in different areas. So what advice would you give to someone wanting to start a new sport or endeavor or specifically jujitsu? If it's like they've been thinking on it, considering it, what's your advice? Just jump in with two feet. Balls to the wall. Oh no, you're going to use the same advice for all three of these questions. Yeah, jump your, in. Your advice for people <laughs> wanting to start a business. Just... For, for someone to wanting to start a new sport? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got to be jumping. Like, don't do it. No half measures. Just jump in. Like, how are you going to get? I've had, I, I hate it when I have students come in, especially dudes. Dudes are the worst. The fucking ego on them. They come in and they suck. They absolutely suck. But we all suck at day one. Yeah. But when guy like, uh, we've had a few guys come in and they're really athletic and they're good at everything, but they're not good at fighting because that takes time. Yeah. And it drives them nuts that they, they can't tap out a Fatima or, or one of my smaller students, it, their ego. Which I would just say, give it a real go. Yeah. Like, no half measures. Give it a real go. Give it a, a sport. Man, that takes so many hours to develop. Give it a year. Give it two years. Advice for people wanting to start a business. It's got to be the same. Like, give it a real Whatever, like, doesn't matter what it is, learning to cook, building a house, doing a sport, a business, like, why would, why would you give anything half a shot? Just don't waste your time. Don't bother. I'd say my advice would be, if you're not going to give it a real shot, just don't do it. I mean, if you're not going to give a real shot, it doesn't mean that much to you. You don't give a shit. If it means a lot to you, then give it a real go. Jump in with two feet. I'm going to keep saying it <clears throat> because half measures are stupid. Um, you're going to get what you put into it like your fitness, like your diet, like your life. So if you want to do a business, act like you mean it, act like you love it. If it is a business you love, like. Yeah, I love the quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I feel like that's business, coaching, training, yeah. trying something new. Well, I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon, but maybe not for a long time. Thanks. After <laughs> three months back. Thanks, CJ. Thank you. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with CJ and I again. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. New episodes come out every Sunday. And next week, we are talking all about the importance of sleep. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at KY Wellness. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.